Let us hasten to my village. There I will tell you all. He was slinging pawns at a B&B when he had an epiphany. And make a part in about time too about not playing the and It was face to all and I heard him say he bought my borderlands. But just sit back and let Spencer do his trick cause you're incapable and Hello, my name's Spencer, aka Free For All, and this is Keep Off The Borderlands. And here we are again. I'm afraid it's going to be another episode about categories, I guess. You know, this is something that I I don't want to... I really didn't want to spend so much time talking about. But at the same time, I do feel I've certainly been learning things along the way but I'm looking forward to getting back to talking a bit more about what I've been up to personally but I've had a few messages and um, well I've not really decided how I'm going to group these I may just go through them as I receive them and respond accordingly so let's uh, see how we get on Oh, and I just want to add that listening to Mike and Randy over at the Dice of Screaming, they mentioned that um, they were still receiving some flack over their OSR episode. And um, while I myself was a little puzzled by their take, I certainly... uh, don't condone that kind of behaviour and um, I continue to enjoy the show. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to show my appreciation and support for what those guys are doing over there. Well, Spencer... I'm glad you like the uh, retread remixes, mate. You are quite correct. They take ages to do. Sometimes I wonder whether they're worth the effort, but I like to do those best ofs. They've they've sort of been popular at times and uh, controversial at times. If you're posting something on YouTube, I think they they make a a better rounded out offering. Uh, at the end of the day, I'm I'm trying to be respectful of people's time, present something that's consumable, I guess. And some of some of the anchor podcasts that I've put out, damn it, it just it's just I think well you you hit the nail on the head. It can get super confusing as for the perils of uh, changing this stuff and, and and putting out remixes well that's just something that goes on you hear it in music all the time i think of a podcast sometimes it's like um 
sketches. If you wanted to compare to a visual artist, the the podcast would be the sketchbook, and then you're working it up into something a little bit more polished and and finished it like you would an oil painting for example rarely are you gonna hang up your sketches in a gallery and sometimes you've got these episodes out there you feel like you've moved on and you just want to take them down they're no longer representative of what it is you do Uh, and in order to sort of like try and encourage new listeners and and spread the word some of that old stuff I've I've taken it down now it's not like a book burning it's not getting destroyed it's just not out there for the public record because it's not the public record it's something I'm I'm working on a project I'm working on and when you call in you're contributing to that project but as it's sort of my name above the door, I feel a responsibility to um, look after stuff, take care of things and put out work that I feel is representative of a, a standard that I'm, that I'm happy and comfortable with. Anyway, banging on. I didn't know whether I should just call Jason with this, this call in, but I wanted to, you know, thank you for your kind words and i'm really really glad you enjoyed it you seem to get the point of what i was trying to do so uh that's always a bonus take care i'll catch you later mate kicking things off there with some words of wisdom from the old master himself colin spike big green i have to say i love the sketch analogy the words of a true artist, I think. And nice of you to reach out to a work in progress such as myself. I'd also like to wish you all the best with your teacher training going forward. And uh, I hope you can still find the time to knock out the occasional oil painting. I mean, episode along the way. Always good to hear from you, Colin. And thanks for contributing to my project. Cheers. Rennie Descartes was a very clever man. He said, I think, therefore I am. As a thinker, there was none keener, but he knew all about the four Cortina. Ah, Alexi Sale. What happened to Alexi? I I never became a writer, but... um, Oh, I always loved Alexi Sale. I think... I think he was my first exposure to um, narco-syndicalist communes. So, um, <laughs> great episode and great, uh, great call out to uh, the, uh, the 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 legend of comedy, um, legend of the comedy store, indeed, Alexi Sale. Um, but your um, rolling, uh, your reference to what is it called? Rolling dice, um, rolling bones, rolling bones, rolling bones. I immediately then went and downloaded the episode and, and listened to it, and really an excellent, interesting, with a few caveats. So yeah, the um, uh, Ryan Ryan Howard's 
deep dive into the origins of fantasy were fascinating. I had no idea that Ruskin and William Morris wrote this stuff. I mean, it's weird because I studied them at university. Um, I studied uh, pre-modernist, pre-modernism and then modernism, and they were like big figures in, in that transition from, from um, I suppose, uh, classical art to modern art. But, and of course, it makes sense, all of the kind of art that they were interested in and were pushing was this romanticised, idyllic version of British um, uh, culture and, and history and mythology. Um, you know, there's a lot of paintings of damsels lying in ponds and all that kind of business, wasn't there? Yeah, so I, I really enjoyed that, really learned something from it. And, um, you know, I whether you agree or not with his thoughts about the GM shaping the narrative arc of the characters, I, I think that's a matter of interpretation because, yes, of course, the player holds it in a primary position, but, but the, the, the GM also presents the challenges and things to that player to then overcome. So it's a bit of a shared responsibility in a way, I, I think. It's not entirely one or the other's um, whole, uh, whole duty or have total control over that. I think the GM and the player share, share that responsibility and control to some extent. So imagine my surprise when he took a bit of a left turn or a right turn, maybe. I mean, I don't know this guy and I don't know, any, I haven't listened to any of his other episodes, but um, suddenly bringing in all that old sort of um, evangelical bit, <laughs> you know, wanting everyone to be Christian, that was a bit weird. Um, I mean, yes, he's welcome to his own beliefs, of course, but um, yeah, um, I don't think we all need to be Christian to have found our... Um, found our purpose in life as as he as he wishes at one point but but that's not that's not the issue i don't really have an issue with that really um yeah what, what he seems like a very sensible guy what on earth is he doing having the two biggest assholes in rpgs coming on his podcast i mean seriously venture satanis and the rpg pundit they're just trolls of the highest order so um, I, I'm going to have to go and listen to his Venger one, and I will listen to his interview with RPG Pundit, but uh, it's not promising. Anti-wokeness, I think, yeah. And look, yeah, I shouldn't judge anything before I listen to it. Uh, so the fact that um, they've got that his January the 13th episode is Don't Go Broke with Venger Satanis, which is just playing up that trope, you know, the old the, the saying, um, uh, get woke, go broke. Which is actually bollocks. <laughs> it's actually the opposite, um, you know. And uh, talking about how RPGs are suffering creatively from wokeism. Oh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he's he's opposed, putting forward a contrary view and, and wants a, a decent discussion. But um, yeah, I don't get it. I don't get it. I'll have to listen to more and see. And uh, I shouldn't make these comments. And you probably shouldn't even play this message. But it's up to you. Um, I'll probably be proven um, an idiot as 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 per normal. All right, mate. Bye. Okay, a little coda. I have uh, just listened to most of the interview with the spectacularly inarticulate Venger Satanis, and um, oh, I don't know. Oh dear, 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 dear. Well, 
everyone's entitled to their opinions. That is the problem with the world, isn't it? Uh, yeah. All I can say is really that um, it it just seems like we are we are living in different realities. <laughs> we are all living in different realities. I guess in the end, it's choose your own adventure time. All right, mate. Speak to you soon. Thank you so much for those calls, Andy. That's Andy Goodman there of Expedition to the Grizzly Peaks and Grizzly Peaks Radio. Now, you might be, inch well, what I failed to point out about Alexis Sale is that he currently has a podcast, which um, I've been enjoying. Unsurprisingly, it does involve a little bit of politics, but uh, certainly nothing there that would ruffle my feathers. And he also has a YouTube channel. I haven't actually watched any of it, but I think he just records himself cycling around London and, uh, you know, chatting away to himself, which could be interesting. Um, Oddly enough, I first learned about anarcho-syndicalism just moments before hearing about strange women lying in ponds, thanks to a certain 37-year-old Dennis, just before he is assaulted by King Arthur in Monty Python's Holy Grail. Still one of my favourite comedy moments. Interesting what you said about Ryan Howard's Rolling Bones podcast. I found that the stuff about literature really interesting. But I've got to say, I completely forgot about the evangelistic stuff at the end. I think my brain turns off when people start prophetizing. You know, but as you say... There was good content in there. As for him interviewing Venger, I'm not necessarily one to judge an interviewer on who they choose to interview. I guess what's more important is why they're choosing to interview them. But yeah, here lies the problem. Uh, Because having caused you to go off and listen to that episode, I thought it was only fair for me to give it a listen myself. And um, yes, very strange indeed. It was like listening to something being beamed in from another universe where words have slightly different meaning to the ones I'm accustomed to. Uh, It wasn't so much a discussion as a cognitive gymnastics display team. It all seemed very distorted and confused. And at times I even felt they were struggling to believe what they were saying themselves. Um, and this this sense of threat that they were talking about, it sounded very much to me like a hangover from the old indie OSR rivalry of the past and almost an effort to reignite that. And I'll talk a little bit more about that apparent division in a moment. As for how articulate they are, well, I have my own struggles there, so... (laughs) Getting back to the point of the call, or what you were responding to in my episode, this suggestion that, you know, who's responsible for shaping a character's narrative arc. Um, 
I guess it's a question I should really put to Dave, Dave Aldridge. I don't know if you're listening, Dave, but I would love to hear from you if you felt, um, to what degree you felt you were involved in the shaping of Brap's narrative arc. Or was it all just a matter of letting the dice fall where they may? Thanks for your calls, Andy. Really appreciate that. Hey, Spencer, Jason here. So, Brap's a great example of emergent storytelling or emergent, you know, where his background comes emergent as you play the game. So when you started, you didn't have that story in mind for him, but that's what developed. And that's a big difference from games where they want you to script out the background and come up with a backstory for your character and a goal and all this stuff. So they're different. Neither one's right or wrong. They're just different. And I kind of prefer emergent myself over... Well, even like Sword and Scoundrel, where you're pre-picking your goals and pre-picking all that, I like for it just to develop in-game. But I do think it requires a campaign, a long-running game, for that to really work, where a shorter game may be something like Sword and Scoundrel, where you have predetermined passions and, and goals, works a little bit better. So, I don't know. Interesting podcast. Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Cast there, and thank you very much for your call, Jason. Um, yeah, I think really, I mean, to an extent, it's all emergent narrative. It's just a matter of degrees, really. I mean, it's not as if, like in the Black Hack, you do actually have a background, but you're recommended to keep that to a couple of sentences. And the more storytelling structure of Sword and Scoundrel, it's just another form of creating an emerging narrative just using a different structure a different framework i think games that don't have an emergent narrative are those kind of um railroady type games you know and i don't just mean oh we're doing this adventure tonight guys what i mean is that you've got a gm who wants to tell his story and the players are just along for the ride. And, and playing the game is more a matter of trying to guess what the GM wants you to do next. And um, to me, that just sounds like a recipe for frustration for everybody involved. Um, yeah, and I certainly, I certainly agree with your point about one-shots. It makes a lot more sense that, um, yeah, if you're doing a one-shot or a short campaign, you're going to want that to be more focused you know, you're not going to have time to kind of figure out who your character is, really. So having a a more fleshed out background or at least a clearer picture of who your character is straight off the bat is um, certainly good advice for a one-shot, I think. Thanks very much for your call, Jason. Cheers. Yo, Spencer. So I've been debating about sending in this call for a while now because I think you and I are going to probably disagree. And that bums me out because I love you. I think you're awesome. I think you're hilarious. I think you're super smart. Um, yeah, but Liren's, Liren's calls kind of motivated me. So as much as I 
hate to disagree with you. Here, here I go. So my experience with the OSR has been a fairly similar one to yours. You've been involved in it a little bit more heavily and longer than I have, but we run in very similar circles. Um, you know, that, that's my experience with the OSR. And most of the people I have interacted with on there have been awesome, have been awesome folks, um, really smart, great stuff to say, super fun to interact with. So, you know, I hope everyone remembers that when I go on, <laughs> because I would say that the OSR community, in my experience, is very inclusive if, if you sort of follow the party line, right? <laughs> like, for lack of a better term. If you start going outside of those lines that the OSR is king, it can become unpleasant. I have seen people be made to feel so uncomfortable that they've left. I have seen Colin, Spike Pit, an outstanding member of the community, get a ration of shit for bringing up 5th edition stuff. Me personally, when I drop one of my dissident, maybe OSR isn't King bombs on there, people come out of the woodwork to tell me how wrong I am. It will spur a whole day's worth of conversation in there of folks telling me how wrong I am. And that's awesome. Like, that's fantastic. I love sparking that shit. That's why I stay. I stay because I'm an asshole. I'm stubborn. And I like, you know, sparking conversation, getting people thinking, maybe throwing out a different idea here or there. And yeah, so that's that's been my experience that it's inclusive as long as you think that the OSR is the best. And I, I, I'm not saying that the OSR is better or worse for this than any other community. There are people that play fifth edition out there that think fifth edition is the one true way. If you're not playing five E you're doing it wrong. There are people that think that way about Pathfinder or call of Cthulhu, all sorts of communities. So I'm not trying to say the OSR is this evil, bad place, but much one of my, it's, it's, it's very insular, like any sort of named kind of these communities that spring up around things they become insular um yeah so that's that's it i won't ramble on too much again this wasn't personal i i I love you a bunch of those dudes in the osr that i've interacted with on the audio dungeon and stuff are awesome um yeah but that's just that's been my experience in there so you know, I hope I didn't piss a whole bunch of people off. Anyway, man, that's just my thoughts. Peace out. Joe Richter there from Hindsightless and Wheel of Woe. Thank you so much for that call, Joe. I, you know, I wasn't even thinking about the whole 5e issue. I don't talk about that myself, mainly because I don't really have a horse in that race. I've never played 5e. And, um, and and that's not necessarily by choice, if that makes sense. <laughs> Although I'm not suggesting I couldn't find a game of 5e. <laughs> There's certainly plenty of choice there. I just mean I haven't bought into 5e 
Well, I'll say that I picked up the um, Rick and Morty box set, but that's more to do with the fact that it's Rick and Morty, to be honest. And um, it's certainly a fun read. Uh, then there's the Beowulf game that um, I'm quite interested in, although I haven't really done anything about that either. I'm certainly not an anti-5e guy. So I've got no disagreement with you there. I'm all for folks opening my eyes to stuff too. Play the game you enjoy and play it the way you want, as long as you're not victimising anyone. Now, I discovered the OSR and indie games about the same time. In fact, the first game I picked up was Apocalypse World, and I thought it was full of really interesting ideas. What I struggled with there, and I've spoken about this before, is the terminology, and I didn't quite recognise the kind of game that was being pitched. I was also aware that at the time of discovering these communities, there was certainly a bit of animosity between those groups. Some of the indie folks seemed to be quite prescriptive. Simply, the, the idea of wanting to play old games seemed problematic all by itself. At least that's the way I saw what was going on. I didn't come across an awful lot of evidence for what the RSR was being accused of. And I guess that kind of stuck with me. You know, the idea that these people were being attacked just because they enjoyed a different style of play. And I think there, there's certainly been great efforts on both sides to bridge that gap between those communities. Not just showing these things can coexist, but combining them. Combining those forces, those approaches to produce some really, truly awesome material. While other characters, like those in Andy's Call, seem to be invested in perpetuating or reigniting those old rivalries. I think, you know, continued communication is key and all these problems arise from shutting down discussion, waiting for the opportunity to espouse an opinion rather than actively listening to different voices. And I'm sure we've all been guilty of that at one point or another. This polarisation is only amplified by the ease at which we can create our own echo chambers and and how easy it is to write off apparently undesirable characters only seems to reinforce their feelings of being marginalised and maligned. I think it's important for folks to be able to re-engage when they're ready to do that because now, I believe people can change and that we're not necessarily who we used to be. As the great Rakim once said, it ain't where you're from, it's where you're at. So yeah, I feel like I've kind of been out of my comfort zone in a past bunch of recent episodes. 
feel like I've been painting myself as an OSR guy when that's really not me. I do tend to favour these games that I see as kind of bridging that gap. You know, I'm I'm essentially I'm a rules light guy. I'm uh, I think one of the guiding principles is that I'm intimidated by large rule books. Yeah, so, um, and when I think of great exponents of the OSR, I immediately think of Ben Milton of Questing Beast, who is currently doing some great group discussions on YouTube at the moment um, with creators of games of all kinds, covering all gaming styles. And this is this is the same guy who was recently hounded from Twitter by folks who were outraged that he'd reviewed Scenic Dunsmouth, an OSR adventure that happens to be uh, Lamentations of the Flame Princess product. But its writer, um, Zarkov Kowalski, as far as I'm aware, is not a controversial figure at all. But... Um, and it's, this isn't the sort of the stuff I necessarily want to get caught up in discussing, you know, other people's experiences, because that's best expressed by those who are affected. It's been a, an interesting but bumpy ride. <laughs> and Joe, I could not possibly be upset by anything you sent me, unless for some reason you uh, really wanted to upset me. Um, you know... I love you too, man, and um, I love what you do, and I always look forward to receiving a call from you. Cheers. Apologies for the ramble there, Joe, but going back and listening again, and just to clarify the, the, the point, if I had one, was that your feeling about that caveat to inclusivity in the OSR was very similar to what I saw in the indie community when I first discovered that and perhaps that is a point within the evolution of communities in general um, and well hopefully they evolve past that maybe that's the point at which these communities start breaking down and people start having to come up with New names for things, or the old names, just become meaningless. So, yeah, again, Joe, thanks for your message. Always welcome, and there's no caveats here. So, thank you. Alright Spence, got a new motor. Hope you appreciate the reference Spencer. Um, I know I appreciated the Alexis L mention last time around. Uh, yeah, tight suited Marxist comedian. Um, yeah, I guess I'm a true anchorite now because I'm calling with the sound of the high road in the background, much like Barney or maybe Andy. And like Andy actually, I'm just on my way back from uh, a bit of daily exercise. Uh, no longer state sponsored but uh, yeah um, so I wanted to mention a few things from your last episode first of all it was a good episode um, 
sorry, I just had to pause and check the time. Uh, I'm glad that you made a distinction between story games and other narrative-focused games in terms of terminology. I know sometimes it gets a bit tedious, getting bogged down in uh, jargon and acronyms. But uh, I think these distinctions are important um, if we're going to have a, a proper conversation. And yeah, I'd agree, a story game would be something where there's some kind of um, uh, meta... Sorry. Yeah, a meta, as you put it, non-diegetic uh, mechanic for controlling the fiction. Um, like whether that's something like a plot point or... Um, yeah, or... Yeah, some other kind of meta-currency which... Uh, participants can use to shape the narrative outside of the actions of their character uh, so for me I think a big example at the moment that I'm involved in um, is Heart by Rowan Rook and Deckard uh, the makers of Spire um, which is itself I guess a story game but um, there's an explicit element uh, to gameplay where you control the character arc of the character um, it's built into the classes in fact uh, like there's a kind of the details aren't fixed but the general outcome of what will happen to a character over a number of sessions really is and I think that's where a lot of people conflate story games with um, that kind of late 80s early 90s era of TSR where you had these heavily railroaded modules uh, you know for some people that's a story game um, and I get that as well, because in a similar way, it's not about playing to see what happens, it's about participating in a, an ongoing show, like a, almost like reading the script to a radio play. Um, yeah, which is going back to what Andy was sort of talking about in uh, one of his recent episodes. Um, wow, I'm running into like sending three messages now. Uh, I'm, oh, ah, I'm going to have to send another, because I just want to mention one last thing. Obviously, no obligation to play any of them at all. Um, yeah, and that last point was, uh, I think, uh, the story you told of Brap Crudman in um, your last uh, podcast. Um, yeah, it kind of epitomised for me the joys of playing games in this style. Um, in that, as you mentioned, none of those elements were predetermined. They all happened as a consequence of random elements which occurred during the course of play and were kind of either retroactively or at the moment of play were fitted together to form, you know, the story of this random character's life who maybe you invented or created, you know, by just rolling a series of dice in a row, in sequence. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Um, I've got more to say, but I think I'll have to cut it off there because that's four segments. Hey Safinho, great to hear from you. Um, Safinho from Alone in the Labyrinth, and creator of Pariah, the psychedelic stone and sorcery game. Walking down the roadside there, I thought that perhaps you uh, were indeed in need of a new motor. But in fact, you're out exercising, so uh, yeah, good for you. I've had the uh, pleasure of playing with Safinho in Barney Dicker of Loco Ludus, his alluvial planes game, using his Vantage system, playing along with the aforementioned 
Andy Goodman, Sofa of Sofa Fantasy Crafting, and um, yeah, up until recently, Colin Spikepig Green, and yeah, really had a good time playing that. But sadly, I don't believe um, Safinho is able to join us. Well, actually, his character was killed off, but that's because he'd already made it clear that he was going to struggle to continue playing in the game as uh, things are, I think, a little bit hectic at home. And I can certainly identify with that. The madness is certainly cranking up around here. And I'm not just talking about my mental state. I was chatting to Safinho over on Discord about how interesting I thought Spire and Heart looked. Really evocative games and certainly looking forward to investigating those, finding out more about the system there and uh, yeah, just really interesting looking stuff. I've recently been catching up on episodes of Alone in the Labyrinth, and I really enjoyed that interview with Jim Parkin that you did, creator of Weird North, the sword and sorcery into the odd hack. Um, I think you describe him as working on the fringes of OSR and FKR, and um, yeah, he's someone who certainly sounds like he's suffering from acronym fatigue, and I've got to say, I'm... Uh, I'm feeling myself being drawn in that direction too. Um, I really appreciate those messages, Safinho, and I would certainly love to have heard more. And uh, the and the fact that you you got what I was talking about there. Yeah, if somebody understood it, then <laughs> it kind of all been gobbledygook. And if you want to share further thoughts, please call in. Um, There's no limit to the amount of messages I'm willing to receive. Cheers. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting back to talking about gaming rather than talking about talking about gaming. I just have one final message that I'm going to share with you from John Allen Large of Red Dice Diaries. Take it away, John. (laughs) Straight white male. Well, I'll give you two out of three, to be honest. Anyway, in all seriousness, enjoyed your latest episode, Spencer. Very interesting to listen to. And just as a apropos of nothing, I'm not saying I leave you a lot of messages, but when I go to my browser bar and I type in keep it automatically springs up with the anchor website address so i can leave a message for your podcast anyway keep all the good work dude catch you soon well that's about enough for me i think thank you very much for listening thank you so much for your calls if you want to leave me a message please contact me via the anchor link in the description. You can always email me or leave me an audio message at spencer.freeforall at gmail.com. There's a Facebook page for Keep Off the Borderlands. You can find me on Twitter and MeWe 
on the Audio Dungeon Discord and various other places on Discord as Free Thrall. I'd also like to thank TJ Drennan for the wonderful music he provides. And it just remains for me to say, take it away, TJ. Warning, if celebrating the sound of dice hitting the table and pondering the meaning of the many acronyms within your player's handbook doesn't cure that burning sensation, please see your doctor.